Coming up, we speak with actress Katrina Bowden about her new film Hard Sell, and we discuss this month's roster of Blu-ray releases with our home entertainment correspondent Adam Long. I'm Jamie Duvall, and I'll be joined by my co-hosts Jerry Dennis and Dean Treadway in just a few moments. It's time to get your geek on. monthly Blu-ray spotlight with Adam Long. We always love reviewing those titles every month. But first, before I bring on the other movie geeks, our feature guest this evening, actress Katrina Bowden. You might know her from movies like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil or hit television series like 30 Rock. She's actually got a new film that's now open in limited release and available on demand. It's called Hard Sell, and it's a kind of coming-of-age, risky-business-esque film. It's really good. Here's Katrina to tell us all about the film and some other aspects of her career. God, you didn't tell me we were having company tonight. Oh, you're good. Bo, ma, ma, bo. So? You're the first girl Hardy's ever had over. Oh, we're not. Unless? No. Bo, I have a rare and unique business opportunity for us. What's in it for me? Have you been in a towel this whole time? Yes. Hardy, a very distressed student, told me that you hired a woman to bear herself in front of several of our student body. Oh. Oh? A cavalier freshman has acquiesced for your hand. Does it involve playing with my clothes? Well, yeah, but this time you're, you're playing dress up. What you did was not only juvenile, it was what can only be described as the lowest act of social depravity I have ever seen here. What are you, like her pimp? Think of it more like a, a fundraiser. It's not a career choice. Maybe we should just try to find you a nice girl. <laughs> What's the point? All the women in my life are crazy. So Katrina, tell me what drew you to this project and to this character in particular? Well, uh, I loved the script when I first read it. It's, um, it's funny, it's witty, and it's really touching and kind of heart-wrenching at moments as well, um, and it has a really good message behind it. So I really responded to the, uh, to the script as a whole, but specifically the character of Bo is just really, she's really interesting. She has, you know, a very interesting, troubled background, um, and she's, you know, she's not, she's not a simple person. She's very complex, and there's so much, you know, behind her eyes, and, um, I just really was excited to play that character uh, because, you know, she's very different than me, and um, it was really, really fun to take on a character that was more troubled and kind of, you know, was trying to find her way in life. How is the character different from you? I I think she's so different than me um, in so many ways. I mean, I guess the only way that we're similar is that, you know, I think that there have been times in my life where I felt a little bit lost and didn't really know what I was going to do next, and I didn't really, you know, have it all together. And I think 
you know, that's how I related to her. But um, for the most part, she's that kind of girl who says what she wants when she wants to. She doesn't have any inhibitions, and she's, you know, she's kind of like living like a free spirit. And she also, behind all of that, there's a lot of trouble, and um, there's, you know, a lot of pain behind, you know, the the tough exterior that she has. So I think that's, um, I think I'm a little bit more, uh, I think I have my, my my stuff together a little bit more than, than she does, uh-huh. um, but it was really, really fun to, to play a character that, you know, had a lot to learn. And plus, it's it's probably incredibly refreshing to to get a real good character-driven movie. I mean, it feels like these kind of movies are getting rarer and rarer. Uh, do you do you find that is the case uh, going through scripts and stuff when you're reading reading for new parts and so forth? Yeah, I think that the, uh, I think that finding a script, um, especially in film, is sometimes difficult to, to find a character that you really love and really want to play because mm-hmm. you know there are there are so many movies that you, you can kind of just easily glaze over the characters that could be anyone. Um, but this this movie really does have amazing character development, and every character is so unique and so likable um, and so interesting. And I think that's what makes this movie work so well, is because you really care about every character and you genuinely want to know what happens with them. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think that um, I think that TV is having a huge moment right now, and there's so much great great content on TV. And I think that you know in Film, it's kind of you know it's harder to find that character that you absolutely love. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely well, love this character, and um, they did the the director writer Sean did such a great job with developing all these incredible characters. You what was it like working with him? I know it's his first feature. Uh, so how did you how did you find working with him? I loved working with him. I, I think he's so talented and so great. And I also just really love working with the director who also wrote the the film that he's directing because he just, yeah. you know, they, they have so much more of an attachment to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it came from him. So it was really great to be able to, like, you know, talk to him and develop the character, ask him all the questions that I had. And, um, you know, it seems like way more personal when when you have a, a, a director who also wrote the, the project. Mm-hmm. Now I know you've you've done a lot of great work on TV. I mean, Thirty Rock, of course, and uh, Public Morals, and uh, Episodic TV. I know uh, has a little bit in common with independent film in that uh, they're usually shot very quickly. Do you do you like working at that kind of pace? I do. Yeah, um, I've I've done a lot of I've done a lot of indie movies where like you you do have to kind of work quickly and. Um, I do like that, and that's how TV is as well. Um, it means that as a as a whole group, you all have to be really prepared. Um, you have to, everyone has to come in really strong, and I like that. I like working around people who are really passionate and really prepared, and um, I think in, a, in the long run, it makes for a, a better film or show. Uh, hard sells a pretty. Uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of a risky business or or something like that. And um, I love that genre of film. Do you have a particular favorite uh, from the com- the sort of coming of age genre? I loved those movies growing up. Um, and Ferris Bueller, I think, is still one of my favorites of all time. Um, Me too. <laughs> and yeah, like like you said, 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's such a great movie. You can still watch it now, and it's amazing. Um, this hard sell definitely draws upon that genre, and it has lots of shades of that in it. And I think, I think those movies are just really good feel-good movies, and you'll laugh, you'll cry, and um, you'll relate to it, and it's down-to-earth and realistic. So I think that's what um, people are really going to love about this movie. Of course, you're one of your co-stars is Kristen Chenoweth. Do you have uh, any any comments about your experience working with her? Oh, she's just so wonderful. I think she's such a talented actress. She was she I've never seen her play a, a part like this, and she did a phenomenal job. And just on top of that, she's a really sweet person. She's one of the mm-hmm. nicest people I've worked with. Um, and she was really just so. You know, she loved the project so much, and she was just down to, you know, you know, work with all of us and do an amazing job. And uh, yeah, I just I, I had a great time working with her. The uh, have you, have you got a chance to see the movie with an audience? How does the or, or uh, like oh. at a, at a festival or at, at any screenings? I have not. No, I haven't yet. Huh? We're well. I'm going to be going to a screening this weekend, so that will be my first time. I always get okay. a little embarrassed and a little bit shy about it because I just, you know, I like I like this movie so much, but it's also just hard for me to watch myself, especially around other people. So. That's that's a common that's that's a pretty common thing I think amongst actors and even yeah. directors. I mean, even lots of directors can't can't watch their own movies because all they see is the mistakes or the yeah. things that they want to. They want right. to change or whatever. Or like with me, I'm like, why did I make that weird face or what? Like, you know, <laughs> like, uh-huh. kind of like nitpick everything. So um, I try right. not to do that, but it's a little hard not to. <laughs> right. Do you have uh, Do you have a dream role or uh, like a somebody that you really like to collaborate with, either an actor or a or a director out there that uh, or a writer even? <laughs> um. I would love to work on an action movie. I haven't ever done like a real action movie, and I would love to work on one. I just think that the idea of like all the physically de- demanding um, elements that go into that would be really, really fun. No, you can't keep pretending like everything's okay. It's not okay. You need help, but I can't help you. What do you want me to do? People are always telling you to become something, but life is about being. You're lucky for the problems you have now. You'll be better equipped. You'll cope. Addy, what are you going to do? I don't know. But at least I know that I don't know. Okay, that was Katrina Bowden. The film is called Hard Sell. It's available now on demand, and it's open and limited release. Thank you, Katrina. And thank you, Dean, for doing that interview for us. Thank you, Dean. You're absolutely thank you, welcome. <laughs> Two great interviews last week, that and and, uh, and John Hurd. Yep, that, that's a fascinating interview right there, uh, which is yeah. a great segue. Uh, I want to just promote real quick our anniversary series, which if our subscribers haven't noticed yet, there's about 10 uh, episodes of this series that have posted so far, and we're celebrating the anniversaries of a series of great films, including last week, the 35th anniversary of Cutter's Way, which is one of the great 
uh, as of late, largely unsung films of that era. Mm-hmm. Really belongs to the '70s era. It's one. It's it's in that category where it feels like Blowout, like the last '70s movie that was actually yeah. released in the '80s. That's what it feels right. like. But uh, Dean interviewed John Hurd. It's a fascinating, revealing, candid, surprising uh, conversation with a great character actor um, who's in so many films. Like he's he's one of those quintessential guys. You show somebody his photo, and people will be like, "Oh yeah, John Hurt, John Hurt." Like everybody knows him, even if they don't realize they know him. Right, um, right. So so check out that anniversary series, MovieGeeksUnited dot net, uh, for the complete lineup, and there'll be additional episodes of that coming up. Stay tuned for details on that. So Cannes Film Festival guys, they announced yeah. the grand prize winner, uh-huh. Ken mm-hmm. Loach's new film. I am, or what is it? I am Charlie. I, 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 Dan, I Daniel Blake. I da, like, like I said, I Daniel Blake. So uh, <laughs> good, Ken Loach, uh, veteran. Second time. Yeah, the win that shakes the barley. Yeah. Yeah, he won exactly ten years ago for win that shakes the barley. So uh, he deserves a win just to, just for showing up every year. <laughs> I mean, he's literally in the thing every year. So, do you have a list well, of other I, winners anywhere? Um, I do. Yeah. Uh, the grand prize winner went to uh, the Canadian filmmaker, French Canadian filmmaker Xavier Dolan for "It's Only the End of the World," which got roundly booed and got some very bad uh, reviews when it premiered. Well, can we should? bring up something, though, I think at this point, and we have to bring this up every year. Just because a film is booed doesn't really mean anything at Cannes. Um, it does, sometimes that's I a mean, badge a of honor. honor. Yeah. It's a bad, unless it's the Sean Penn movie, which is supposedly is god-awful. But um, Yeah, I heard I heard bad things about that. Yeah. Best director went to Christian Munju from uh, Romania for uh, the film Graduation, and it was a tie. Uh, the other... Uh, um, Award went to Olivier uh, Assayas for Personal Shopper, oh. the film that he did with uh, starring Kristen Stewart. Um, it's a horror film. It's a supernatural horror film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. Sounds fascinating, but um, no, he seems I'm, to I'm get re- something I'm out of really, it. I'm really on board the Kristen Stewart train. Uh, you are. I really like. Oh, I'm yeah. not really quite like sure. I'm yeah. I'm there yet. No, no, I've been there since Adventureland, maybe since Undertow, but I mean, um, you know, she's a really good actress. I know people want to throw it in her face that she was in the Twilight movies, but more power to you. Use something like that to your advantage, and I think yes. she has. I didn't realize that there was a large contingent of of <clears throat> Twilight fans or whatever that are still like, you know, there some that are are vehemently anti Kristen Stewart and uh some of them are vehemently, you know, anti Robert Pattinson and they go all over the net, you know, criticizing both of them. Yeah. But or sticking both, up for both of them. Yeah, well, let's put it like this. They've both I have to hand it to both of them. They've both gone on to do very interesting and better things. Yes, oh, really do you do have to, to say that. That's true. They have taken some chances. So. And you know for a fact that they've turned down big offers to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Best Actress, uh, oh, well, uh, the jury prize uh, uh, at the at the Cannes Film Festival went to uh, the British 
uh, filmmaker Andrea Arnold for her movie uh, American Honey, Mm -hmm. uh, which is her first American uh, film. Um, uh, Best Actress went to an amateur uh, amateur actress uh, in a film uh, called Ma Rosa. Mm -hmm. Uh, The actress's name is Jacqueline Jose. Um, Best Actor went to Shabab Hosseini, for The Salesman, which was uh, Asghar Faridi's new movie. Uh, Palm to Honor, which is the, you know, the, um, I guess the the equivalent of the special Oscar, you know, the honorary Oscar, uh, went to Jean-Pierre Lyod, I think uh, almost 50 years after uh, his first appearance on the red carpet for... Francois Truffaut's 100, The 400 Blows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I guess that's, uh, that's oh, the screenplay went to Asghar Farhidi for The Salesman. So uh-huh. The Salesman actually won two right. pieces. I think and, uh, yeah, that's it. Worthy of the note that Paul Schrader, um, his film Dog Eat Dog, did very well. It got good reviews um, at this. You know, it's based on the head bunker novel um, and um, written by um, adapted by Matthew Wilder and that got really good notices I mean now having said that I mean it's gotten and actually gotten good reviews I don't know what that means because it was not food so I don't know what that means exactly given the criteria that we've used in this last 10 minutes but um, <laughs> it, it, it does it does sound like Paul Schrader's made his first like watchable film since autofocus so yeah yeah it does sound it sounds uh, sounds good and uh, and it's also nice to see, you know, um, uh, Nicholas Cage and uh, and Whoop. Willem Dafoe. Hey, it's actually William Dafoe is actually getting the notices. I mean, acting wise, they say he's superb. He's having the time of his life. It sounds like in this movie. And Nicholas Cage is the straight man, from more or yeah. less. Uh, mo- mm. Most uh, most critics love Willem Dafoe in it. I read one big critic that thought he was ridiculous. But I think it's one of those showboaty kind of performances that are, that can be divisive. Uh, right. And then one critic one critic said that it was great to see Paul Schrader actually playing a role in the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. A la, a la Scorsese, Taxi Driver. Uh, he plays a, a little little role in it. And another critic said that uh, he should have definitely cast someone else. <laughs> but he tried to cast someone else. That's why he ended up playing it. He couldn't find anybody to do it. Did you guys both see the uh, the nice guys before we bring yeah. Adam on? Yeah. No, I didn't watch it yet. It's just wonderful. It's but I agree with what you said, though, on my page, though. Um, I do agree with you on that. And what is that, location. so our listeners know? No, no, you had said for a movie that is so L.A.-centric, why did they have to shoot it in Georgia, most of it? Yeah. Which, I, the, reason I have, why is, I, the reason why is economics, obviously, but it's just a shame. You can't no, even make... You can't even make an L.A. noir or, or, or an L.A. buddy cop movie in L.A. anymore because it's too financially constrictive. Well, yeah, well, this is what I don't get. Um, I, when I lived out there, there was not a lot of film. I mean, Hollywood Homicide was filming out there. Stuck on You was filming out there. And Seabiz, <laughs> I remember those were, those were filming out there. But I can understand if you, you're making a period piece like Ash to Dust and you film out in South Africa. I realize that. But for a 1977, you can definitely film in Los Angeles right now. 
There's no reason. I, in the economics, this thing that they're going to Georgia, this is Georgia's in the North Carolina of this time period now. They go to all these places. They pick these places for a decade, and then the work dries up. You know, the, it's ridiculous. I, I, and there's no reason for this movie to be shot in Georgia. No offense, Dean, but there's no oh, reason. Oh, no, I totally, you know, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean this movie. But you know, this is one of those mid, this is one of those mid-level budget movies that they don't make much of anymore. So when they actually do make it, they're going to take as many cost-cutting measures as they possibly can to get it done. Right. And that's why there needs to be more incentive to shoot in Hollywood, the capital of making movies. A movie about Los Angeles, where the, the the city is the star of the film. It's a Shane Black movie, and I'm sorry, yeah. Shane Black. He knows Los Angeles just as well as James Elroy or um, Michael Conley, and it's, it's really it's a shame. I mean, come on. I mean, he knows this. I mean, come on. Michael Conley actually lives 20 minutes from me. He he lives in Plant City, Florida. Wow. Did you okay. know that? Yeah. No, yeah. I did not. I knew he lived in Florida, but I didn't realize it was near you. Why don't you, dude? We we should have him on the show. He used to live in L.A. In mm-hmm. the uh, in Elliot Gould's uh, house from Long Goodbye, uh, oh, he's, wow. he, he's he's obsessed with that movie. No, no, uh, I, I, no, no. It, he's dude. I gotta tell you something, and this is. I wish that um, before he sold. I mean, you know, Michael Connelly's um, Harry Bosch books, which are now they have a series on Amazon Prime. Um, right. Um, Bosch. It's supposed to be very good. I mean, my mom is a big Michael Connelly fan. I I, I like him a lot too. And I was always hoping before that happened. And, you know, they had Warner, I don't know if I think it was Warner Brothers had the right to it, but I was always hoping Tarantino would adapt something else, you know? I was always hoping he would do a Connolly book because it would be right up his alley. Yeah. not going to happen now. I mean, they, they, def, they definitely wanted the Lincoln Lawyer to catch fire and maybe begat a film series, but it just didn't do that. No, but it, that's a good movie. I like that movie. That's a decent it's movie. It's fine, yeah. It's got good, yeah. good character actors in it. Okay, yeah. let's bring on Adam to talk about the May Blu-ray releases. It's always a beloved segment every month. Hey, Adam. <laughs> hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, You're Adam. beloved, Adam. Do you, do you, yeah. like you are worshipped worship by the women on this, oh, who listen to this show. Um, and the men, too, but the, the, the women are all um, <laughs> yeah. Have we got numbers on how many women actually listen to this show? More than, I, more than you know, Dean. I'll tell you that. I, yeah. I, I really, a lot of women do listen to our show. Okay. Unless they're lying to me. The first time in 46 years I've been beloved, so what can I tell you? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, you sell yourself way too short. You're a tremendous uh, we, slouch. We got, we got to have we got to laugh. we got to have a sense of humor. That's like. exactly. Uh, but, uh, hey, yeah, Adam, I started, get, I started getting uh, Twilight Time titles uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. I love their releases. Their releases are actually um they're always they're always limited to something like 3000. So actually they they gradually go up in value once they sell out, which they often do. Yes, they um, do. And they they release titles that are um really interesting. Like uh I know we'll we'll be talking about it this month. Uh Eureka, which is a movie yes, that I was for whatever reason, that movie fell off my. It wasn't on my radar. A Nicholas mm-hmm. Rogue, Gene Hackman movie. Yeah, I have a funny the, story about that. 
Okay. Well, my brother worked with Gene Hackman for a, for a commercial for the advertising firm he worked with, and they went to go meet him and everything, and to record him and everything, and. Um, yeah, we're all big movie buffs, obviously. My brother worked in Hollywood, and um, he was in there like, you know, you know, you know, you know, it's like, you know, what movie should we talk about? I go, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't mention Eureka. The first thing his wife does mentions Eureka um, as soon as they get there. Oh, he had this problem with Eureka. Um, you know, and it's like, holy <laughs> shit. Huh. Oh, did he have a problem on Eureka? Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> he didn't like yeah. it or something, or? No, I don't. Eureka's not a, you know, it's a, it's a more of a cult film. I mean, it's not something that you bring up. I mean, you know, obviously. It's, like we it's had not, it wasn't a well-received movie. Yeah. No, it's not. Like when we had, Donald, we had Donald Sutherland call our house one day um, for, you know, when they were doing the, the, remember those Volvo ads from the 90s? Yes. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so we had Donald Sutherland, and my brother's like, could you leave the house? He told me, could you just leave the house? Because I don't need you getting on the phone saying, I really love you in Animal House. No one wants to hear that. Could you leave the house? Go somewhere. Go get drunk. No, seriously. Like, go get drunk. Do something. Just don't be home for the next couple hours. Okay, just leave. <laughs> I actually have a, Let me say this real quick since you brought up Donald Sutherland. Out of the out of the many, many, many interview requests I've sent out the, for this anniversary series, Donald Sutherland was one of them. And I receive a response almost right away that says, well, first of all, Donald Sutherland is overseas shooting a movie, and he doesn't have time. But even if he did, he has a rule that he never, ever, ever does telephone interviews. They don't work for him. So I'm like, okay, wow. So I, yeah. I was like, okay, I, well, I can't, I can't interview him through ESP, so uh, I guess the, he's off limits for us. Wow. <laughs> what do you know? Okay, what Adam. do you know? Uh, yeah, we're, we're ready so, for you. Let's let's review all ready. these titles. Yeah, well, so you were talking about Twilight Time, though. Uh, interesting to note, I just got an email today saying that uh, they only have 500 copies left of Crimes and Misdemeanors. So if any of our listeners mm. want to grab a copy of Crimes and Misdemeanors, you better grab it because it's going quick for whatever it's worth. <laughs> mm. uh, and that was one of their titles and, and a very good one. Um, oh, yeah. No, no. Wow, I'll have to do that. Yeah. So anyway, for whatever it's worth, and they had they've sold out recently of u- used cars is gone completely. Uh, they, yeah, they put that one out. It's it's done. It's 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 got it's out of there. So you know you never know those things go like you were saying they they go quickly sometimes. So anyway, uh, yeah, then you'll go on you'll go on Amazon, and you'll see them double in price. Uh, if exactly. you want to purchase mm-hmm. a yeah. copy that's out there, that's why uh, you know, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia sold out, and so they're yep. re. Uh, and I looked on Amazon, and you had to pay sixty, seventy dollars for a copy, so they yeah. reissued it. They, they've reissued it. I think it came out what mm-hmm. last month or next month, something like that. It's coming out next month, and the story that I'm getting is that that's the last reissue they're ever going to do. They're they're stopping that. That that's a uh, a policy that they're going to end. Uh, with um, Alfredo Garcia, so I, I don't think from here on out they're going to be reissuing any titles uh, because they've just got so mm. much stuff that they're not able to release because they've been reissuing some stuff, and it's just it's they need to get the the titles that they have in the pipeline down out there is what I'm hearing. So I don't know. Of course, the the one I'm most looking forward to, which is August, is Hardcore. Oh yeah, uh, a Blu-ray of Hardcore. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, that and uh, also uh, Zelig, I think the same month and uh, oh wow, 
Yeah, they're doing Zelig, and they're also doing. There's one other one, Theater of Blood with uh, Vincent Price. Yeah, they're doing. Oh that wow. Year. Yeah, so there's some good good stuff coming out this summer from them. So, uh, yep, for sure. But uh, yeah, the one that frustrated me the most was when they put out Body Double. I was going to actually pre-order that one, and uh, before I could even pre-order it, it was uh, sold out before it even came out. So it was completely mm. gone. So <laughs> it was <laughs> one of those things. So uh, anyway. It's an interesting thing. Anyway, okay, well, we'll go back to May 3rd uh, and start there chronologically. Um, A Kiss Before Dying, the 1956 version. We're not talking about the Matt Dillon version. We're talking about the original with uh, Robert Wagner and uh, yeah. Woodward. So, yeah. That's uh, Gerd Oswald, I think is the director, who... Uh, was an underrated director in the 50s and was actually was responsible for a lot of the episodes of uh, um, uh, The Outer Limits, the yep. TV show. Uh, but that's a that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good like kind of I don't know if you want to call it a noir film, but it's um, it's a good it's a good movie. It's uh, and probably the best thing that Robert Wagner has ever done. Hey, I wanted to say, I remember watching that remake in the theater, the Matt Dillon one, Sean Young. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> you remember the scene where he kill, he kills her at the very beginning? It's a shocking scene, and, and the audience, it was one of the only times I've ever been in the audience where I heard a literal gasp, because he pushes her off a balcony into some kind of area, mall area or something, and her body just completely splatters on the floor <laughs> and soaks cool. everyone around her. This is in the first five <laughs> minutes of the movie. <laughs> That's the only thing I really think of when I think of that a remake of Kiss Before Dying. <laughs> I, it's been so long since I've seen that. I, I honestly, it totally evaporated. I don't remember anything about that, the uh, the remake. I saw it, but. Just so many years ago. Yeah. And then he cuts her up and puts her in a suitcase or something and and you know, a lot of it was wish fulfillment for a lot of people that don't like Sean Young. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh boy. Well, uh we'll move on to another title. Uh speaking of the late eighties, early nineties, how about assassination with Charles Bronson? <laughs> how how about it? Oh, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> is that a is that is that a cannon? Yeah, is that one of his. That's oh, okay. That's, that's he and from his the wife, cannon, cannon. Uh, right? He and his wife, Jill Ireland. Yep, right? that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it was when Cannon was in full swing. So yeah, we have that one. We have um, Warner Brothers has decided to. Uh, I guess they're trying to get all of their uh, Clint Eastwood titles out there. So this month they're issuing, uh, or they have issued, it came out May 3rd, City Heat and True Crime. Wow. So. Yeah. Two of, the le- two of the lesser ones. City Heat, you boy, you really want to love City Heat because, of course, it's got him and, and Burt Reynolds together. But, boy, is that a misfire yeah. in a major way. Mm-hmm. Like, they just, they have no chemistry together whatsoever. It's, a, it's completely devoid of any kind of real laughs. Right. It's really I bad. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Yeah, it, I mean, I agree, Dean. Thank you. I've been waiting for someone to say that after all these years because <laughs> it's just no, because it, it is. You're hoping that it's going to be, and it's just it's dead on arrival. I mean, well, I'm pretty uh, sure. I'm pretty sure that Burt Reynolds does not have fond memories of that movie. Because that's the movie where he got in that accident and this it, somebody broke his jaw with a chair, which was supposed to be a yep. breakaway chair. And, uh, I mean, that opened up a whole painful, painful chapter of his life that kind of changed things for him. It did. Yeah, that's what oh, I was Really? I mean, like, up. is that what led to him, like, having to take, you know, painkillers and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, true crime is a little bit better, uh, I would say. <laughs> you know, not not yeah. tremendously better, but it's it's watchable. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we have uh, Easy Rider. Criterion has issued Easy Rider as a standalone title. Now, this isn't the first time that they've issued it on Blu-ray. It's part of the BBC box uh, that they – or BBS box. I'm sorry, BBC. BBS box they put out several years ago that also had um, – the uh, the Jet Nicholson films, you know, the Five Easy Pieces and King of Marvin Gardens, and it also had the Last Picture Show, uh, mm-hmm. which I hear that's going out of print. Uh, if, so if, if anybody wants one, now might be the time to grab that one too. But uh, Easy Rider was part of that package. Also had Head, the uh, Monkeys film. Yeah, uh, and and, and it had Drive. He said. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Sure did, yeah. I I picked it up recently because I heard it was going, and uh, it's a nice package, by the way. It's very yeah. got a really nice book in there. And Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh man. Oh. But uh, yeah, so we have uh, so that's. That that uh, the Easy Rider standalone release is out there for anybody who's interested. You, you, do you think that they'll be releasing all of those BBS titles as standalone releases eventually? I don't know. I don't know what what uh, why they're they're doing. Criterion's doing some interesting things. Um, last month they issued Brief Encounter as a standalone title, and that had been previously issued in a uh, Noel Coward David Lean box set. So uh-huh. I don't. I don't know why they're choosing to issue certain titles, but not all of them separately. Just you know, picking and choosing. I guess maybe because Easy Rider is such a, an iconic film, and it it kind of gets buried in that box. People don't realize that it's you know out on Blu-ray, and and I guess maybe they just want to give it a more high-profile release or something. I don't know, but I, uh-huh. I haven't heard anything about them actually. Well, this is you know. this might be an interesting time to bring this up. I mean. Years ago, we had a Criterion producer on the show, and we were interviewing her. Jerry, I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. that. I think was, about, I, if you knew how much I thought about the show the last couple of weeks, um, you'd be amazed. Well, it, the whole it was an interesting show. It, yeah, it was an interesting show because it was a show about the 10th anniversary of the DVD format. And so we brought on the, a Criterion oh, producer. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, and that's something. We, we're so old. Uh, but when, <laughs> when we were talking about re- movies that we requested for Criterion, I had I had two major ones, Last Tango in Paris and McCabe and Mrs. Miller. And lo and behold, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is going to be, is it an August release for Criterion yes, that they just yes. announced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm just saying, they have to be really delicate with this transfer. It, yep. the, the, the goal of the transfer shouldn't be to make it 
absolutely pristine because that movie has a very specific hazy look by design and don't screw that <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, thr- I'm thrilled that they're doing it, but it's a very delicate look they have to maintain for that transfer. I think that Vilmo Sigmon was uh, involved in, in that before he passed away. I believe he did have some level of involvement yeah, in the uh, – because I think they tw- there was a, a tweet or something um, that indicated that he had uh, – that he was involved with that. So I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think that he was. I know he participated in some of the extras for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about that one. I just that, that made my day when they announced that. So. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, Independence Day, the 20th anniversary Attacker Edition gift set. Man, that's the I'm not making this up, folks. Wait, wait, so, what, what, I mean, it comes on Sci-Fi or Turner or whatever the channel is for the 4th of July from, like, you know, midnight through the whole day. Who needs to buy this? I mean, good well, what is the attacker? Uh, I mean, like, is it a special thing that it comes in one of the spaceships or something like that? I mean, is well, it... <laughs> it comes with a, a this, this box packaging. Uh, it's 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 a it's a big box. It has uh, limited edition alien ship replica. There's a collectible booklet, a, a new 30-minute documentary called Independence Day: A Legacy Surging Forward, and. Uh, a newly restored, extended, and original theatrical cuts of the film, of course. So uh-huh. that's what you get. You get a toy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's, a toy. it's like yeah. a Happy Meal. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. My God. Is the new movie supposed to be any good, or is it just going to suck balls? I mean, probably you know it's going to be terrible. <laughs> They're really terrible. terrible. <laughs> I get a soft spot when Randy Quaid sacrifices himself for the greater good of humanity, but okay. <laughs> yeah. That is his most memorable moment. Okay, never mind. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, for whoever's interest, whomever may be interested in a 20th anniversary attacker edition gift set of Independence Day, there you go. So, uh,. This is an interesting packaging, uh, uh, repackaging of some previous titles, but I, I think it's worth mentioning. It's called Ted versus Flash Gordon: The Ultimate Collection, and it contains. <laughs> <laughs> it does. The cover of it's awesome. It's great. Uh, you'll have you, everybody should look it up at, at least and, and take a gander at the cover. But it's it it contains uh, the Blu-ray of uh, Flash Gordon and Ted and Ted Two, also <laughs> all in one package. So Only I wonder how they is good. <laughs> I wonder how they uh, negotiated that. Well, I think Universal owns the rights to all three of them, so uh, okay. I think it was probably pretty easy. Okay, uh, for them, yeah. So, uh, if we have any fans out there of of uh, Martin Cove, the uh, <laughs> they're going to be uh, clamoring for this release, Steel Justice. <laughs> Oh my God, Martin <laughs> Cove! I haven't thought about that name in for like twenty years. I haven't Good thought of that Lord. name at all. But yeah. okay, well, Steel Justice. Wow. <laughs> it's described. Yeah, it's well, it's described as Steel Dawn. <laughs> well, it's described. It says it's an eighty overbaked '80s casserole of genre cliches, and it proves to be a delicious feast for action junkies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Big selling point. 
That's it's that's it's it's self described as that way. Oh wow, right. that's pretty great. So there you go. So for you Martin Cove completists, uh, Steel Justice is now available. Uh, also, uh, there is a 30th anniversary edition of the of Top Gun in a limited edition steel book. So, well, the the best release of um, that day, May 3rd, for me, in my opinion, would be Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Warner I mean, Archive. No about it. Yeah, Warner Archive went all out. I mean, there's some great extras here. Um, really? Any, yes. It's not a bare bones. Warner Archive typically does just you know bare bones stuff, but here they have co- a commentary by Mike Nichols and Steven Soderbergh. Right. They have a commentary by Haskell Wexler. They have uh, the Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Too shocking for its time featurette. The Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? A Daring Work of Raw Excellence featurette, a 1966 Barbara Walters interview, six Sandy Dennis screen tests, intimate portrait of Elizabeth Taylor documentary, the Comedian's trailer, the Sandpiper's trailer, and the VIP's trailer, and the Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf trailer. So, I love pretty the VIPs. Nice. I just thought I'd throw yeah. that out there, but okay. The VIPs? I tried yeah, to watch I lo- I the VIPs. The, I, I, I tried to watch it. I, I couldn't get into it, really. It, it was too, you know, too stodgy. No, no, no. I mean, and Dean, I agree with you 100. percent But just next time, if you or when you have absolutely nothing to do, uh-huh. give it another shot. It's just a nice throwback. I mean, it's just so different from anything that we would see today. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice thing, and that's what I mean. You know, it's not. A, I don't think it's a, a great movie. By it's any got some elegance. You know, movies movies today lack elegance, and that's something that the movie does have. Yeah, I mean, he has that completely. And I always just get a kick out of seeing Richard Burton and Liz Taylor because they got married and divorced and got married again. So they're two of the biggest masochists on the planet. Um, uh-huh. so I just always get a kick out of watching them on screen for that reason I, You alone. do get the impression they enjoyed, uh, they enjoyed you know, picking at each other and and uh, and, and arguing and, and clashing quite a bit. Yeah, because we don't... Have that today. Everything is so manufactured for like social media and for paparazzi and everything. We, there's something, how do I, for lack of a better word, there's something authentic about them. Um, mm-hmm. There's something really authentic. And maybe I'm being naive. Maybe it's not. Maybe it was even manufactured back then. But it doesn't feel that way when I'm watching them on screen together. Um, so uh-huh. it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a weird sense of nostalgia, I guess. But. Well, nothing could be better than their pairing in in Virginia Woolf. I mean, oh god, oh my god, that's just classic. If you, you know, uh, if you were going to watch one film with them in it, that would be the one. Although I do like, uh, I do have uh, uh, great enjoyment uh, in my heart for uh, the Taming of the Shrew. I also like that Mm -hmm. as well. Oh yeah, Yeah. no, no. Well. Well, uh, we'll move along to May 10th, and there's some pretty interesting titles here. How about In a Lonely Place, the uh, Bogart film from 1950? Oh, that's directed by I like that. Yeah. It's, Brilliant. Uh, the Criterion did a good job with that one. Uh, a lot of, lot of, lot of nice extras on that one. Great transfer and uh, Father of the Bride. Uh, Warner Archive issued that with the original with Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Taylor. Speaking of Elizabeth Taylor. There's another mm-hmm. one. And, uh, that's one of the movies she's she's at her most beautiful. I mean, I think that and um, 
and uh, the uh, A Place in the Sun, I think, oh, are yeah. the movies yeah. oh, where she's just so beautiful that it's just painful to look at her in some ways. You know, it's just... It's just Absolutely. I, I have watched a lot of Elizabeth Taylor movies this year. <laughs> That's fate would have it. I don't know... Uh, you know, I'm trying to watch as many classic movies as possible, and TCM has, this year has been showing a lot of Elizabeth Taylor. So right. Whether it's reflection, Reflections of a Golden Eye, or there's another movie that she did. Uh, oh God, I can't remember the name of it. And then with Cat in the Hot Tin Roof, you just look at her and you're like, my God, she's just a beautiful looking person. When you watch Cat in the Hot Tin Roof, you're like, are there two? Are there two more attractive people on the planet than Elizabeth right, right. Taylor and Paul Newman at that period of time? Movie stars. It's were true. Gorgeous back then. Yeah, they were gorgeous. Oh right? yeah. Oh God, yeah. That's Look something I think we're missing in movies today. I, I really don't think that there's there's anybody. I can't think of too many people that I would just pay to go see just to watch them do anything. You know, uh-huh. like, right. <laughs> you know, no, they could be like that's a great, digging a ditch or something. You know, that's a great, that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, yeah, I mean, Dean, that's really you just hit on something that is one of these like unsaid problems of movies and then I gotta say television too for that matter. There's no one we mm-hmm. just want to watch. Yeah. Um, well you I know you know a, a, a lot of that started in the seventies. I mean the, the the that was a period of time where a movie star could look like Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Uh and yet and yet during that period of time you still had Robert Redford and Warren Beatty who were both of that ilk, you know, that right. old classic movie star look to them, you know. Yeah. So, um, well, speaking of the Twilight Time titles, they all came out May 10th, uh, the May titles. And we had, uh, this month, we had uh, a Passionata from 1974. And uh, we had Cat Baloo, which... Uh, mm-hmm. Wait, now, a Passionata, is that a... Is that, that's a Pasolini movie? Uh, um, no, it's not a Pasolini movie. It is not. Okay. Um, it's, okay. It's... It's kind of a coming of age film about these two girls who are best friends and uh and and the one of the girl's father is, is like a dentist and he's kind of having a midlife crisis and but it's got some nudity in it and it's it's not a terrible film but it's just kind of nothing, nothing super to get super excited about it kind of you kind of think it's going to be a soft core thing and then you get in there and it's not really that and it's it's more of a coming of age tale than anything else with some some light touches of nudity from time to time. En- en- emphasis on the coming. But anyway, Cat Baloo is another ish release, and uh, I'll be curious to know what you guys think of Cat Baloo, because I'm kind of lukewarm on it after watching it again this time. I, I think it's okay. I haven't, but... I haven't seen it since 2000, so I don't know. It's been a long time for me too, but the last time I watched it, I was like, "It's kind of silly." It's just. It uh, is. I mean, I know it's supposed. I know it's supposed to be. You know, I know it's a comedy and everything like that, but it's kind of a comedy that that doesn't entirely work for me. And Same I, here. I really, I really don't understand why they decided to give, you know, Lee Marvin the Best Actor Oscar for it. Yeah. Um, I've never understood I, that either, Dean. I, I really, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad film, but it's just, uh, you know, with, with all the reputation that precedes it, and you sit down, and it's like, 
okay, this is, uh, you know, where, where are all these, you know, gargantuan belly laughs that I'm expecting? They never, they seem to never materialize. And you but, really uh, get tired of hearing that song. Yeah. <laughs> you really yeah, get tired. I mean, as much as I love, you know, Stubby K and, and you know, Nat, Nat King, King Cole, Cole and, right. and the other guy, whoever it was, I forgot, but, uh, you know, it's, that song is like, okay, cut it off, please, enough. <laughs> But then we do get to see John Marley playing Jane Fonda's father. <laughs> yes, that's that's interesting. I mean, it's yeah. not without it's it's not without some interesting some interesting yeah, notes. But definitely. Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, uh, and then there's the aforementioned uh, Eureka, which uh, Jane was <laughs> just referring to. And that was another issue, uh, one of their titles, and um, Garden of Evil, uh, which is a western. A 50s western from uh, 1954, actually. Who's in that and, one? And that one is um, I had the disc here in my hand just two seconds ago. I could tell you, but uh, uh, that's one of the titles I actually have not gotten around to to looking at. That uh, actually has Hugh Marlowe, uh, Cameron Mitchell, Susan Hayward, Gary Cooper, Richard Widmark, um, and directed by Henry Hathaway. So, oh, that doesn't sound shot, too bad. <laughs> yeah, shot in CinemaScope 2.55, so that should be nice to look at, one of those Technicolor uh, westerns. But uh, I hear it's pretty good. Um, okay. So uh, some of my colleagues who have also gotten their their Twilight Time titles for the month say it's actually better than Cat Baloo. So <laughs> I, I bet it is. So anyway, and then there's I Could Go On Singing, with, which was uh, the uh, final film for Judy Garland, and there's, okay. uh, there's also apparently that, she um, could not go on singing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you're talking about Eureka, though. It's interesting to note that uh, the, this, the Eureka was actually issued in, on Blu-ray uh, on Masters of Cinema, which is a, um, basically the British answer to the Criterion Collection. And they put a lot of stuff out that they they've issued Paper Moon and a deluxe edition and some titles like that. You know they they do some really good work and they have ported all of the extras from the Masters of Cinema disc over to the Eureka, uh, the Twilight Time release here. So in case anybody wanted the uh, the Masters of Cinema version, they're going if you get the Twilight Time, you get all the stuff you would get on the uh, the uh, the Masters of Cinema version. Just for if anybody's curious. So uh, there's that, uh, and also uh, uh, Kino. They had some interesting uh, titles that were released that day. Solar Babies. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God, Solar Babies! I didn't say great titles. I said interesting. <laughs> <laughs> For all the people that are mad that they never made a, uh, that's the one. That they're they're on roller skates, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're not rebooting that. There's not a reboot of that in the world. <laughs> yeah. For all those people who were mad that they never, yeah. I, I, do you remember that of time when when roller skates were all the rage? It's it's what kids used to do on weekends. They used to go to the roller rink, and those those movies reflected that, like stuff like Rollerball and Solar Babies, and maybe yeah. not so much Rollerball, but the, definitely something like Solar the, Babies. Mm-hmm. Well, there was the uh, uh, the stage show that uh, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber made called Starlight Express, mm. which uh-huh. was all on all 
on roller skates, which was never made into a movie. It was a musical about trains, and everybody, everybody on the, I guess everybody on the, uh, every cast member played a different train car or something. So well, <laughs> I know, I know right, it sounds right. stupid, but uh, what, a, what, a, uh, what a dream for an actor. <laughs> But uh yeah, uh I was watching the other day I was watching um in fact yesterday I was watching a nineteen seventy five movie called That's the Way of the World, uh mm-hmm. with um Harvey Keitel playing a New York record producer, uh who's working closely with an R and B group that's played by Earth Wind and Fire. Oh that's and right, gets, yeah, yeah, okay. He gets taken off of that assignment and put onto an another assignment where he's having to gussy up this really cheesy, uh, fa- like sort of quasi partridge-like group called the Pages. Uh, and uh, but he really wants to be with the the Earth Wind and Fire group. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's a big long sequence towards I guess the in the last two thirds of it. Right, maybe right in the middle of it, where uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire are playing at a roller rink, and it's a really long sequence that's like really shows you uh, how dedicated people were to roller skating back then. It's just something that has absolutely completely disappeared from the uh, from the landscape. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, there was a movie a couple of years ago called Roll Bounce. I remember. About, I, I watched that. I remember that right. movie. Yeah, like 2005 or 2006 or something. Or right, that was kind of a uh, you know it was actually filmed here in Atlanta and uh, and it's a, totally about the the 70s uh, roller skating craze. Uh, Didn't but, Drew um, Barrymore direct that? No, that's what you're no, thinking you're of. Think, um, you're thinking of you're thinking of the other other thing. The, the roller uh, derby. Page. The roller derby uh, thing. Whip it, okay. whip, whip it, which is very good. I mean, that's actually a really good, well done movie. Uh, Roll bounce is okay, I guess. I don't really remember that, but whip it is actually a really great directorial debut by Barrymore. But there should be a whole somebody should do a list of all the great roller skating movies. That's oh, your totally. next assignment, Dean. <laughs> oh, Dean, that's it, Dean. That's, that's, it. that's it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> there you go. Now you have a <laughs> agenda. So, yeah. um, well, anyway, Kino has put there. There are a couple of interesting titles Kino decided to issue um, in May. This is a pretty good one, I think. Uh, I'll be interested to see what you guys think. The little girl who lives down the lane, mm. Jodie Foster. Her best. I still role. love it. Yeah, I, I think too. that's her best role, personally. I mean, I'm not being facetious when I say that. I really do think that's her best performance. Yeah, I mean, I really like I I like her a lot in it. I think she's I think she's terrific yeah. in it. Uh, she's like, uh, you know, like most of her roles, she's you know almost adult like in her you know preternaturally adult. Uh, and uh, the one thing about the movie that I think is you know worth uh, telling people. If you're an animal lover, there's a scene of animal cruelty in the movie that's pretty hard to take, even 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 by today's standards. Uh, and it happens against her pet 
hamster. <laughs> your I do remember hamster. this. Oh, God, I remember And it, it, it is really horrifying the way that it's done, uh, you know, yeah. but uh, it's it's Martin Sheen who's, who's at fault, uh, you know, for the, you know, or his character uh, who's at fault for this. And, and it's really horrible. And so if you, if you don't like a, if you can't take any animal cruelty, it's not, probably so, not a so movie are for you. you. Are you sure that Richard Gere's not in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, but you know, it's a good movie. It's a very, very good movie, yeah. and uh, and uh, really unusual. And uh, it, well, it's interesting to think about. You know, that same year she, that she starred in that film, she also did Taxi Driver and Bugsy Malone. So she. Was yeah, that's a hell of a year. Yeah, it is. It uh, is. So. That's yeah. A hell well, of anyway, for an actress. So the Manhattan Project was another Kino release from that day, May tenth, and uh, with John Lithgow. Not not a terrible film, I don't think. Uh, you know, does it have that kid? Does it have the kid from uh, from ET in it? Is it one of the kids from ET is in that? No, he's he's not in that one. Robert McNaughton. I was thinking it was Robert McNaughton. Oh, well, maybe Robert that. McNaughton is in that one. I, I was thinking uh, Henry Thomas is not in that one, but no, may, McNaughton yeah. may be in that one. It's it's interesting that Marshall Brickman, the uh, you know Woody Allen's frequent co-writer in the early days with Annie Hall in Manhattan, wrote and directed the Manhattan Project. That is odd. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. odd. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's always some. That's always been. It's a, not. It's not bad. I I rewatched it again a couple of years ago. It's not. It's 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 a fine yeah, it's movie. Decent. I mean, it it really benefits from having John Lithgow in it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, Criterion has issued a box called the Rock Box, which is a collection, uh, basically a box set of uh, of four of their uh, their rock films, and it's uh, Hard Day's Night, Gimme Shelter. Uh, Monterey Pop and the Who's Quadrophenia. All of them are on Blu-ray, and so if you're looking for a more economical way to get all those, I think it's a little cheaper to get them in a box. So for whatever it's worth, and that's, then, that's a good box set. Yeah, good good collection of rock films, and one of my favorite, another one of my favorite uh, horror suspense films from the 70s. Uh, this is a real. Slow burn that I really enjoyed, uh, and it still works. I think you'll like my mother with the late Patty Duke. Uh, Screen mm. Factory issued that May 10th, and that's still with Richard Thomas playing against type. He's the the uh, the killer in the film, so uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see him, uh, uh, you know, go, playing that role. So uh, mm. I would recommend that if anybody likes those uh, really creepy and suspenseful did, early 70s Did anybody films. notable direct that? Who directed that? Anybody? Uh, that's a Lamont, Lamont Johnson directed that. He's a he's a guy that used to do a lot of TV TV movies yeah, and stuff. He did, didn't he? yeah. Yeah, he was kind of like mean, a workman-like director. He didn't really have a discernible style, but he, he got the job done usually when he was, you know, in uh you know, it's, did, he do, did uh, he do one-on-one? He did one-on-one with Actually, uh, he did. That's it. Yeah, that's another <laughs> theatrical he did. Yes. Yeah, yep. okay. Correct. But uh okay. moving on to May 17th, uh I will mention this. Uh this is a newer release, but it, it it's it's worth mentioning because of, you know, when we get these uh DVDs and Blu-rays uh review copies, a lot of times they'll send us something to help us promote the uh, release. And one of my colleagues received his copy of Dirty Grandpa last week, and <laughs> they sent they sent him a condom 
as a promotional item for the Dirty Grandpa Blu-ray. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, th- th- this is this is what it is. It's a package. You open up the package. It's like a sealed a evidence envelope, like a police, like a CSI kind of evidence. You open yeah. it up. It's got like a really small bikini top. Uh, <laughs> it's got a, pill, a bottle of pills that say like dick hardening pills or something. They're actually very strong breath mints. Uh, and they've got a condom. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's right. That's it. Yeah, he wrote to wow. me. He says that. He says, Adam, you won't believe what they sent me. He said they sent me a condom with my dirty grandpa Blu-ray. He said, uh, thankfully it wasn't used. <laughs> yeah. Well, it still ain't gonna be used for quite some time. But uh, I did watch that. Mo- I did watch that movie last night, Dirty Grandpa. Oh no. Well, um, well. Um, any thoughts? How, did it, how was it? Uh, there are a couple of places where I laughed a lot. Well, anyway, uh, I saw what you did, the uh, Joan Crawford film from 1965, directed by William Castle. Uh, Underrated. Factory. Yeah. Underrated movie. Actually, a very, very funny, uh, creepy a little bit, but I mean, it's like it's shot in black and white, and it's in widescreen, and it's shot by Joseph Birock, who's a uh, Oscar-winning uh, yeah. photographer. But uh, it's really about two girls that uh, are uh, making prank phone calls one night uh, and, uh, during a sleepover, and they accidentally prank phone call uh, Joan Crawford, who happens to have just killed her be- her her lover, who is was mm. getting ready to break up with her. So she she thinks that they. These two girls have witnessed uh, her the murder that she's committed. She decides to go after them. So it's what actually is this it's actually it's actually pretty good. It's called I, I saw, saw what you did. did. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, William William Castle really uh, invested a lot in Joan Crawford. Uh, yeah, he did towards the latter end of her career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does anybody remember the uh, made-for-TV remake uh, from 1988 of that, uh, which is kind of interesting for the casting because the two girls were played by Shawnee Smith, who was also in the Saw films, and uh, Tammy Lauren. And the, the guy they dialed, the guy who who, who had just murdered his – it's a guy this time. He mur- just murdered his uh, wife, and he's played by Robert Carradine of the uh, Revenge of the Nerds you know, franchise. Oh, okay. So that uh, is weird. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting, but uh, it's not bad. It's not a bad remake, actually. I, I saw it way back in the day. But uh, what about the 1968 film Candy, which uh, <laughs> Marlon Brando and James Coburn and Ringo Starr and uh, I have Walter to admit Matt I've Dodd. never seen it. I've read, uh, I think I've read the book. I've read it's Terry Southern, right? Right. Yeah, I would imagine you've read the book. I don't think I've ever seen the movie, though. I'd love to see it. I'm curious as hell. Yeah, I mean, you know, with that cast. uh, And plus there's – is Orson Welles in this one? It seems like something Orson Welles would have been in, but uh, (laughs) he's he's not in it, is he? I don't think he is, no, no. But it does uh, have John Huston. Oh, yeah, John Huston's in it, yeah. And uh, Charles Aznavour. Charles Aznavour, can you imagine that? Uh, Yeah. Well, a, a bizarre it's, cast. What a very odd cast. But yeah. uh, and whatever so, happened to the woman that played Candy? That is a good question. You you are all in. Yeah. Brando ate her, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, Brando or Wells must have eaten her. I mean. 
Just bones yeah. left afterwards. <laughs> well, you know, Buck Henry wrote the screenplay for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's uh, so the Blu-ray which they sent me, Kino sent me a copy of it. It uh, has an interview with uh, Buck Henry actually, and uh, there's uh, an actual uh, interview with film critic Kim Morgan about the film on the as an extra on there. So anybody ever and there's a new 2K restoration of the film. So. Uh, Candy has never looked better, I guess. <laughs> there we uh, go. Yeah. Well, the actress that played Candy is 66 years old now. I show that her last movie was in 96. Mm. And and the, okay. her movie in 96 was the first movie she'd done in 23 years. Wow. Okay. So yeah, she basically se- just sort of dropped out of the movie business. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't a sequel to Candy, was it, by any chance? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, anyway, so uh, Dark Passage, uh, starring uh, Bogart and Bacall from 1947. Uh, Warner Archive has seen fit to uh, issue that one. Oh, that's they're, good. Yeah, they're really putting out the uh, Bogart films here lately. I mean, they've just been just churning them out. They did uh, Key Largo and Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and they've done quite a few here in the last couple of months. So it's, they're, they're getting them. Put them out Bogart there. is uh, probably somebody that never stops selling. Like yeah, Bogart movies—they probably never—they probably never really go out of style. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Absolutely. Uh, I can yeah. see that. I mean, especially today. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 1976 film called Killer Force, starring Telly Savalas, Peter Fonda, Hugh O'Brien, Christopher Lee, O.J. Simpson, and Maude Adams. Wow! <laughs> oh, dude, that's just worth. That's just now worth I want to see that tonight. I want to own that. I want to watch like, that. That's better what than anything else coming out this summer. I mean, let's be very honest. I mean, <laughs> whoa! Yeah, I have to pl- admit that's one I've never seen, and yeah. I, 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 I definitely would watch that. <laughs> when does it come out? What day is it out now? Or it's out now, May seventeenth. Uh, Scorpion releasing put it out. Uh, the plot is that it's a desert mine belonging to an international diamond syndicate. Uh, the setting for violence, intrigue, and double dealings. Tough, desperate men vying for immense riches. So, uh, Killer Force wow. is a dream cast. So, <laughs> yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, also, um, another keynote release is Who is Harry Kellerman and Why is He Saying Those Terrible Things About Me? Right, really Dustin Hoffman. Oh yeah, uh, wow. Actually, very, very uh, underrated. Uh, yeah. I remember when I watched it, I thought, you know, who probably watched this movie and liked it was uh, the Coen Brothers because it has mm-hmm. a very Coen Brothers kind of feel to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, plus, one of the most interesting things about it is that you know, I mean, he plays a he plays a musician. Uh, you know, a uh, a fairly famous musician in mm-hmm. the film, and the music that he does is all uh, by Shel Silverstein, uh, you know, who's, I guess, kind of famous for not only his songs, but for a lot of his children's books and things like that. Yep. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, a very interesting movie, uh, and also... Uh, uh, Barbara Harris is in Oscar it. She nominated. was nominated for yeah. a uh, supporting actress Oscar yes. uh, for her role, and she's she's very good in it. It's actually mm-hmm. quite underrated. It's directed by Ulu Grossbard, who also uh, mm-hmm. eventually did another uh, uh, 
Dustin Hoffman movie called Straight Time. Straight right. Time, yeah. Also, yep. um, True Confessions. True Confessions, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's written by the playwright Herb Gardner, too, you know, so. Right. The, uh, see the guy that did. Uh, uh, A Thousand, thousand Clowns? Thousand Clowns, right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, interesting yeah. movie. Yeah. So, uh, from, well, here's a 1977 film. I, mean, I, I kind of have fond memories of it, although I'm, it's not really a great film, but the nostalgia factor just gets me every time. Ruby, starring Piper mm. Laurie. <laughs> right, mm. right. You know, I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. What's it about, Adam? What, what is it about? What? Uh, well, it's uh, Piper Laurie. You know, they were obviously trying to ca- cash in on the success of Carrie. So this oh, is yeah, like the yeah, first yeah. film she made after, and it, it, it's it's directed by Curtis Harrington, who made a lot of genre films. Right. He made a lot of um, stuff, and uh, her daughter is uh, she she's got a 16 year old daughter. She runs a drive in movie theater in the film, which is interesting. Oh, and, that's, uh, that is interesting. <laughs> yes, Stuart. Yeah, there's there's actually one of the murders in the film. She finds a corpse stuffed in a Coke machine. Uh, the driving. <laughs> so, but uh, Stuart Whitman is uh, her husband was a gangster, and he was killed by uh, his uh, some of the, some of the people he was in the business with turned on him, and they killed him. And so his spirit, his daughter, his sixteen their their sixteen year old daughter is now possessed by the spirit of the dead gangster, her late husband. And, wow. Uh, okay. Huh. So. Yeah, okay. it has some. It has some interesting. Uh, you know, there's some. I mean, there's some. It's not terrible. It's. Uh, you know, but the time it came out, I remember it being heavily promoted. You know, in newspapers and things when I was I was about seven when it came out, and it just has a real high nostalgia factor for me. And I think anybody that's interested in horror films of the late seventies should definitely give it a peek. So mm. movie. Curtis Harrington was uh, also kind of. I mean, you know. It, I never really thought any of his movies were completely successful, but you know that that uh, Dennis Hopper movie, Night Tide, I liked, mm-hmm. and, uh, yep. and uh, he also did What's the Matter with Helen, which is uh, yep. kind of a '30s throwback, kind of uh, kind of in the vein of uh, uh, what have whatever happened to Baby Jane yep. with uh, Debbie Reynolds and Shelley Winters, made in the early '70s. So I, you know, I mean, he's he's yeah. he's an interesting director. Yeah, he made a film in '73. I'm kind of a fan of called The Killing Kind with uh, Cindy Williams is in that I think, and that's kind of an interesting. Wow. Uh, I've genre. never seen that one. I'd that's like a good to watch one. That. It, it's yeah. creepy. It's creepy, but uh, yeah, he's. Uh, well, anyway, uh, so we'll move on to uh, May the twenty. Fourth was the next day on the release calendar, and uh, Manhunter was issued by Shout Factory in a brand new, uh, brand new transfers, brand new cut. Uh, they've, uh, I think Michael Mann was involved in this project. It has uh, a new cut of the film that he supervised. I think that's uh, different from anything that's been put out there before. Uh, mm. I'm trying to. Pull up a list of the extras, but uh, yeah, it's got it's it's got the director's cut. There's a commentary, of course, by Michael Mann. Uh, the Manhunter look, which is a, a conversation with uh, Dante Spinotti. Uh, there's mm-hmm. an inside Manhunter uh, documentary and an interview with uh, William Peterson, uh, an interview with Joan Allen uh, and Tom mm-hmm. Noonan, and uh, there's a 42 and a half minute uh, documentary on the music of Manhunter. 
So, okay. And so, and a forty and a half minute uh, interview of, with uh, Brian Cox. So, uh, oh, golly. Any, anybody who's interested in Manhunter, this looks like to be to be the ultimate edition mm. uh, of the film. So, uh, there you go. And uh, private lessons. And, no, who and, now? Who's coming out with Manhunter? Who's that again? That's uh, Scream Factory. Uh, Shout Factory. I'm okay. sorry, Shout Factory. Yes. Okay, well. So Shout Factory and uh, so Private Lessons Cinema Epic has reissued uh, the uh, the Alan Myerson comedy Private Lessons, which stars Sylvia Christel and uh, Howard Hessman. <laughs> wow. From 1981. I didn't know that Howard Hessman was in it. I knew yeah, Sylvia Christel. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, another uh, film that's kind of interesting here is French Postcards. That's been interested uh, issued yeah. by Olive Films, rather. Uh, that's directed by Willard Hike, who of course went on to do Howard the Duck, but um, more famously and more successfully, you know, he and his wife Glory Katz wrote the script for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and American Graffiti. So, uh, so they had yeah. bigger successes with those. But, uh, uh, which is actually great, Adam. We d- we just aired an interview with the William Hike and Gloria Katz yes. uh, for the Very for the 30th stuff. anniversary of Howard the Duck, and they talk about <clears throat> Temple of Doom, and they talk about the one you just mentioned that just came out on Blu-ray. What's the title of it again? Uh, French, French postcards. postcards. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've got it out in my car. I haven't watched it yet, but and I should probably it's take good. it out of my car. <laughs> it, it's yeah. really really a a good little movie, you know. It's just about American, you know, American exchange students going over to France for a short period and um and you know, lots of love stories and stuff like that. But it's an early uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's an early role for um for Deborah Winger. I think uh, yeah. so. Yep. Mm-hmm. I know she's in it, and uh, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of recognizable faces in it, and um, it's just a good little breezy sort of, what I like to call like kind of a Saturday afternoon movie, you know, it's just like, you know, it's not too demanding, and uh, it's got some laughs in it, and yeah. uh, now, Dean, it's very romantic. Dean, would you, would you eat, would you eat tacos while watching the movie, or? No. <laughs> yes, I, I, w- I would, I, I don't know if it's, you know, like, a, I think, a, I think tacos would probably probably improve it. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, I just hope that people start using the phrase taco movie. If people actually start using the phrase taco movie to describe a movie that is not quite great but can be improved with the eating of tacos, if people can just can't start using us, huh? What can right you improve with tacos? Well, <clears throat> let's just say this: it's a movie. It's a movie that uh, that you need the tacos for. If you, no, if you don't saying, have the tacos, you tacos cannot watch better. the movie. Taco you can't movie. watch the movie without the tacos. That's let's, the let's deal. Let's really break down this taco movie concept. Let's let's take <laughs> okay. a look. I I really want people to start using it. And <laughs> I use it all the time. Taco is a euphemism for movie. vagina, so it could it could it could have like <laughs> well, a much different that meaning. That goes without saying. That goes without saying. <laughs> no, we don't mean it like and that. I've seen lots of those movies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, anyway, people start using the phrase "taco movie" to describe a movie that yeah. you need tacos to get through. 
<laughs> well, with that thought, how about Bad Influence with James Spader? Is that a taco, that's a taco movie? No, that's, that's a taco definitely, movie. That's definitely a taco movie. Yeah. Oh, that actually did that actually play off the Rob Lowe video sex tape uh, scandal? I you think know, it did, didn't it? It was I right around so, that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It came out like just a couple of months after that, I think. Yep. So. Yeah. 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 That's right. I, I think I think they wanted to, you know, utilize it in some ways. Yeah. Well, it's another Shout Factory release for whatever it's mm. worth. Is that? It's and, actually uh, better than a taco movie is. It's 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 actually quite good. It is. I thought it was too. It's been a long time, mm. but yeah, I like it. It's good. Uh, so. Um, there is a director's cut of 54, the 1998 film with Mike Myers. Uh, uh, you know, and actually, I'm going to be honest. Th- I, I did see this. I did watch it, and it is much better, much improved. It's, it's still not a great film. It's much improved uh, over the initial uh, butchered version of 54 that was... Uh, Interesting. So uh, yeah, how it, is it... Do you remember... Because I just remember just having a general malaise about the about the original 54. Even though right, I went into too. it. I went into it thinking, oh, well, Mike Myers should be interesting, but they didn't really... Is his part beefed up a little bit? Yes, it is. That's, that's the okay. reason I was going to recommend it to people because his... His part is front and center in this film. It's not a it's not a supporting role. He is like a main character in this version of the film. And so it, So it, he's it, what it, they ended up cutting out of the movie? Like wow. right. Yeah. Whoa. And, and he's really Well, it's all, it's also it's also more daring in terms of its its content, I think. Cuz I remember right. reading they pre- they premiered this at Cannes, the director's yes. cut of this last year or something. And I mean, it was cut severely. And this is a problem I have with Harvey Weinstein. As, yes. as good as he's been to the world of independent film, you think of Harvey Weinstein as massively pro-director, blah blah blah. But he has taken a lot of movies and re-edited them on his own. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes without the approval or involvement of the director. I mean, you saw that with something like All the Pretty Horses, what he did to Billy Bob Thornton's film. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he also and, did and a it with ca- uh, Prozac Nation. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, Yep. That Christina Ricci yep. movie. And in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. not for the better. And I, 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 mm. the the gist that I got was that was the case with 54. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was the, the director's cut is definitely an improvement. It's not, it's still not a great film. It, it has some problems, but uh, I would recommend people watching it just for that Mike Myers performance because he's, he's spot on uh, in, in his, uh, yeah. you know, he's, in, you know, so it's, it's, it's worth checking out. So Kino, um, Buster Keaton, the shorts collection, 1917 to 1923. It's a complete collection of all the Buster Keaton shorts, the silent shorts from that period. So mm. and there's that. Um, and uh, Great Expectations, Shout Factory has issued the 1974, I guess it's a, this is a television version, with Michael York, Sarah Miles, and James Mason. Yeah, definitely so, uh, TV. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, and another Kino release would be The Chase, with uh, and not the one with Marlon Brando. This is the Robert Cummings, Peter Lorre, um, nineteen fifty. Not the one with Ripley, Charlie Sheen. Nineteen forty six. No, not that one either. No, but uh, yeah, it's the nineteen forty six version. But uh, Best Buy has an exclusive on several Universal titles that might be worth mentioning. Um, I'm sure these will be issued in. 
uh, for regular retailers at some point, but for the moment you can only get them at Best Buy, and that's the Burbs is one of them. Uh, the Dream Team is another one, mm-hmm. and the Great Outdoors, and the Money Pit. So, for anybody who's clamoring for those Universal titles from the 80s and I guess early 90s, well, mostly 80s, I guess those are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. There you go. And the Burbs um, is the Burbs is beloved, man. Yeah. Yes, it is. People do love that movie. Yeah. Out of all of those, I think that's oh, the most loved one. They do, yes. So there's a couple of things, and uh, Olive Films has chosen to issue Zapped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the one with the Scott Bayo, Willie Ames. <laughs> yes. Mm. You know, Olive Films puts out some good stuff. They they are issuing uh, the 1979 film um, Rich Kids. Directed by Robert M. Young with That's Trini a good Alvarado. Movie. Yeah, yeah, good movie. And and uh, isn't that good? like it's executive produced by Robert Altman, so it has it kind of has his stamp of approval on it. But uh, that's that's an excellent movie. Yeah, Altman was executive producer, and uh, it's also got John, John Lithgow, Olivia Dukakis, and uh, David Selby and Paul Dooley. Yeah, and, uh, Terry Kaiser from Weekend at Bernie's. There's one of his. Uh, Roles where yeah, he plays one of the play, parents. Yeah, he plays something beside the corpse. So uh, there you go. Uh, so the Whoopi Boys is another Olive Films release with Michael O'Keefe, Paul Rodriguez, and Denim Elliott from 1986. What a cast! Now, uh, what what was that? Now, was that? I mean, was that based on something or or that wasn't like. So the Whoopi Boys, those are not those guys that used to like make prank phone calls and record them. Well, you're thinking of the Jerky Boys, I think. The Jerky Boys, sorry. Yeah, the Jerky Boys, yeah, yeah. Totally different. <laughs> yeah, these, this is about New York street peddling, I think, is what this okay. is about. But, uh, okay. So that's another, uh, that's 1986 is when that was issued. And uh, we also have The Sum of Us, which is another... All the films released from 1994 with Jack Thompson and early Russell Crowe, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. And uh, The People That Time Forgot is being issued by Scorpion Releasing from 1977. Sweet. So, uh, with uh, yeah. Doug McClure. Doug McClure. Doug McClure. That's right. Sir, sure, yep. Doug mm-hmm. McClure in another lifetime. But no, that's, those, <laughs> those movies were great. Those movies were a lot of fun. Yeah. You yeah. I'm just, I'm surprised those haven't been that someone's not trying to remake those. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well, they're also well. Criterion is issuing, which is this is interesting because this has already been put out on Blu-ray uh, from uh, Warner Brothers, and they did a pretty good job on it. But Criterion has has decided to to issue their own version of the player. Speaking of Altman, right? So, wow, uh, that's right. And, uh, well, didn't they know, didn't they release that as a laser disc years ago? They did. Yes. Yeah. Many years ago, huh? So, yeah, so I I, I was kind of surprised that they would uh, that they would put that out when it when it was done with a pretty pretty well I think by Warner's proper. You know what I proper. wish that they would. Oh God, I just had it in my mind. Oh, one of the um, things that I wish they would. This actually wasn't Criterion. It was remember when Pioneer used to come out with their own laser discs. Special edition, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of them was Glengarry Glen Ross. 
And it oh, had yeah. a commentary in there from not only James Foley, it had a separate commentary track with Jack Lemmon. And so it was like a two-hour acting master class with Jack Lemmon. Wow. And I remember him drinking a milkshake as he was doing the commentary. He'd never done them before. And that's gone now. It's not in any oh. other pressing of Glengarry. It's only on that laser disc. They need to find a way to preserve that. Some, even if you put the commentary track on YouTube, I think there's only five right. minutes of it on YouTube. But it's Jack Lemon, for God's sakes. I mean, that yeah. needs to be out there. Exactly. Mm. Wow, I, I never bought that one. I was a big laser disc guy. I had tons of them, but that's one I never bought, so I missed that. But, uh, wow, that's I'd great. love to hear that. That's awesome. So, um, well, the private affairs of Bell Ami. Uh, Starring George Sanders and Angela Lansbury, and directed by Albert Lewin from 1947. That's another huh. Olive okay. release. And uh, so then we move on to this coming Tuesday, or well, that was this coming Tuesday. Actually, the Tuesday after this one, which will be May 31st. And just a few things here worth mentioning. One is a uh, Venom from 1982. Anybody remember this one? <laughs> yes, I do. Well, this is the snake one, right? Yeah, is it a good Klaus Kinski. Klaus Kinski. Yeah. yeah. Um, good. Oliver Reed is in that. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, Susan George. Oh my God! I bet these guys were like drinking it up big time. Well, you know, <laughs> Oliver Reed, remember Oliver Reed would just show up. I mean, he could he could stop at five in the morning and show up. So I mean, he was there. Oh man! Yeah. But Nicole it, Williamson is was pretty famous for for. Uh, drinking and causing trouble too. Oh yeah, uh, no, of course. And of course, we know we know Klaus Kinski was tearing it up. So. <laughs> oh wow. yeah, yeah. It's it's not a bad film actually. It also has Sterling Hayden in it. That's worth mentioning. Sterling Hayden and uh, I, I, did I mention Nicole Williamson? I think I did. Yes. Sarah Miles. Yes. And Michael Go. Sarah. Mm. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 basically a black mamba snake loose in a ha- loose in a house, and the Klaus Kinski is. is the and, yeah. Klaus Kinski plays the snake. <laughs> <laughs> Probably could have, but uh, anyway. So, uh, but that's that's it's uh, that I would recommend that one. It's it's fun, and uh, the Wim Vendor's uh, Road Trilogy is a box set mm. from um, Criterion. And it includes, uh, it has three discs, and it has um, Alice in the Cities, Wrong Move, and Kings of the Road. Mm. So uh, there you go, and lots of supplements, documentaries and such. And So if you're a completist of his work, uh, that's, that's one to think about right there. And then we have Bloodbath from 1966, directed by Jack Hill, who later, mm. of course, went on to do coffee and... Foxy Brown and the Sweet mm-hmm. Cheerleaders and the But this is for the Spider Baby era. It is, yeah. This is a Roger Corman uh, co production, I believe. So, yeah. But uh, Bloodbath is uh that's being issued by um Arrow video. So and then we have uh a, a Blu ray issue of Boris Karloff's The Terror, speaking of Roger Corman. And so uh, that's been restored. Wasn't that the one? Wasn't the terror the one that? Oh, like Corman 
did two two movies with Jack Nicholson that they shot in like Romania or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that and, Terror Jack Nicholson, isn't that? Yes, and he had the Terror was the second movie. He had yeah. uh, they had some money left over from the first shoot. I can't remember what that movie was, and they said, "Well, while you're up there and you have extra money, shoot this other movie, The Terror." <laughs> and yeah. that's how and the boy, movie came about. It? It's not a ter- it's not a good movie either. It's a real dull no, no. movie. Yeah. Well, th- uh, those were the conditions under which it was made. I mean, it was like uh-huh. an afterthought. Well, if you have money left yeah. over, shoot this other one. Yeah. Is, is it, I'm not sure. Is the terror the one they use uh, footage from in the movie yes. Targets? Bogdanovich's yeah. Targets. Yeah. Targets. It yeah. It's the whole the all, the entire like last five minutes of the terror is included as the first five minutes of Targets. That's what I thought. Yeah. I knew it was either yeah. that or Dementia 13, but no, he's not in Dementia 13. So okay, yeah, it is the terror. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so City of Women from 1980. That's a Fellini movie. Uh, for any Fellini fans out there, and Cohen Media that's Group is issuing that one. That's one of his last movies. It right? is. Yeah, it's one of the one final of ones there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always have to throw in a Vinegar Syndrome uh, issue. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So the 1975 film Psychic Killer, uh, starring Paul Burke and Jim Hutton and Julie Adams, is uh, that's a Vinegar Syndrome release. So uh, I think that about wraps it up for the month of May, guys. Wow, what a month! So far as I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) We've been on such a cinematic adventure. Uh, Yes, as as always with you, Adam. (laughs) 